So in our family, we have this, this thing that we do uh, at the start of every year. Um, Ruth draws up a picture of a tree. And on that tree, there are branches, and each branch represents a person within our family. And off that branch comes leaves, and each leaf represents a goal or something we want to achieve throughout the year. So we've done this since, uh, I think 2017 was when we first did it. And it's, it's always good fun because, you know, you start out the year with expectations and hopes and dreams, don't you? And then you get to the year and you're able to look back and see how many you failed on and you know, it's just really good. And, and so, you know, as, as we've come to the start of a new year, I'm reflecting on 2019 and, and the things that I wrote down. And some of those, just to give you the highlights, I said I wanted to read five books. I spend far too much time watching TV. So I said to myself, I want to put the remote down and pick up a book. Um, so I set myself the target of reading five books. I read six. Well, okay, so technically I read four and listened to two. But it still counts, doesn't it? I got through six books in the year. I also told myself that I wanted to lose a stone. This is an, a reoccurring goal that I set most years. I lost 11 and a half pounds. I put five pounds back on over Christmas, so it's gone back on the tree for this year. Um, and I also said kind of an overarching, we sometimes set family-wide goals, ones that we want to achieve together. And last year I said that I wanted to go on more adventures together. I wanted to get out the house and go on some adventures. And so this year I've kind of done the same again. We've not, she's not drawn up the tree yet, but we've been thinking about what we can put on our tree for this year. And so I want to read some more this year. So I've said, well, I did six books last year, so I'll target myself six again this year and maybe I'll exceed Losing a stone is on there again, so we'll see what happens this year. And again, I want to put on adventures and, and also board games. I love board games. Ruth hates games. Um, but I want to encourage the boys into playing games because it's good fun. And we, we got uh, Toby Junior Monopoly over Christmas, and so we've already started to play that. And it's opened my eyes because actually you can get junior versions of all of the popular games. So my favorite game is Risk, and it's super complicated. I'm like, I don't want to wait until they're teenagers to start playing this game you can get a junior version so I'm gonna get that Cluedo you can get a junior version so we're gonna get them involved in some board games and stuff this year that's my dream anyway but these resolutions and these dreams and plans that I've got for 2020 and maybe you've got the same they're not gonna happen unless we do something about it they're not just gonna happen by chance we need to do something, we need to step out, we need to put something in motion in order for these things to happen. So this morning what I want to talk about is uh, the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. So I'm just going to read a couple of portions of scripture. The first one is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and, and both of these scriptures are written by the Apostle Paul and this first one is essentially he's writing to the church in Corinth asking them for a financial gift. So that's what he's, his purpose of this, this letter is about. That's Finances is not what the message is about this morning so don't kind of get caught up on that but the principle here is, is important. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 starting at verse 6 he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And then another key scripture that I want to look at this morning is taken from Galatians. And and here Paul's writing to the the church in Galatia to encourage them uh, to love one another and to serve one another and to kind of give them some guidance and some tools as to how to how to live in that. So we're looking at Galatians 6, just verses 7 and 8, and it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Why don't we pray? Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it speaks truth and, and life into our hearts and souls. And I pray this morning that as we, as we study this word, as we unpack this message and this principle, that you will, uh, you will delve into our souls with that sharp double-edged sword and it will begin to uh, change us and, and mold us into, into looking more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this principle of sowing and reaping, I believe that this principle is actually as old as the world. It's as old as creation. Because if you look back in in Genesis, it says that on the third day, God commanded the earth to bring forth plants and trees with seed according to their uh, their own kind as food for man with the intention of multiplication, with the intention of growing more and more and providing for mankind. So sowing and reaping was was a kind of a principle that was laid down from the very beginning of time. But it's not just an agricultural principle. You see, in the verses that we've read and and looking back to the creation of of the earth, it's kind of this principle of of literally sowing seed and seeing stuff grow. So there's this kind of agricultural principle. But it's not just about that. It's also a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle. You see, Jesus used this example and, and, and it was taken up by the Apostle Paul, as we've read, as this kind of metaphor for how we should live our lives. And it's not just about finances, like the first portion of scripture that we read, but it's just generally about how we should live our lives. And, and actually, as we sow into our life, we'll reap what it is that we sow. Paul says, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So it's a, it's a principle that cover, covers all things. It's not just specific to one area of our life. It's, it's, it's broader than that. It covers more. So wherever we sow, wherever we invest, wherever we pour and give of ourselves, in every good work, he says, in every good work, we'll abide, we'll abound. We'll find abundance. That's what I love about this principle. It says that as we sow, we'll reap in abundance and there'll be an overflow. So, you know, whether it's your, your diet and exercise for the year or whether it's your patterns of, of marriage, whether it's your relationship with God or, or productivity at work, whatever it is that you're kind of maybe hoping and dreaming for this year to improve on, whatever it is that you're hoping to sow into 
this year, as you choose to sow into those areas, as you choose to invest of your time and your finances and your energy within those areas, the scriptures say that you will reap the harvest down the line. That as you sow, you will reap the harvest. You see, we're all sowing seed. All the time, we're all sowing seed. It's not a matter of whether or not you sow. It's a matter of what it is that you're sowing. And that's why the principle gives these two sides to the story. Those who, who reap of the flesh, will, will, who sow of the flesh, will reap of the flesh. But those who sow in love will reap in love. So what I want to do this morning is just look at three points around this principle of sowing and reaping. And the first is this, that the principle requires action. The principle requires action. It was Einstein who said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If we want to see change, if we want to see something happen that's, that's different to the way it's, it's always happened before, then something needs to change within our actions. We can't just keep doing the same old, same old and expecting a different result. We need to implement change. So if you're not happy about something in your life, if you're not happy with, with the way things are going, then you need to sow something different. You need to change the way you're acting. You need to change the way you're living. So I said that, you know, last year I wanted to go on more adventures with the family. I wanted to get out more and do more. And we did a little bit of that, if I'm honest. But, but kind of looking back and reflecting, it didn't quite meet the expectations that I set out at the beginning of the year. I too easily looked outside and when it looks a bit cold and rainy, let's just put the telly on because that's easy, isn't it? But this year, I want to do something different. I want to get out more. I want to spend less time staring at screens and get out and experience the world in which we live in. And we don't even need to go far, do we, to, to see the beauty. We live in such a beautiful town, don't we? We are privileged to live in Lytham St. Anne's and on the Fylde Coast. It's beautiful. So I want to get out more. But if I'm going to get out more with the family, I need to be intentional about that. I need to be intentional about creating opportunities and, and planning and organizing so that we can actually get out. I have that choice that at the start of the year with a vision and a goal to do that, I have a choice and it's only going to happen if I make it happen, if I'm intentional about the way I live. So if last year left any of us feeling, I don't know, emotionally stable or financially distressed or physically weak or relationally disconnected or maybe feeling far, far away from God, then this year, let's start to sow something differently into our lives. Let's recognize how it is that we've maybe failed in the previous year and use this as an opportunity. You know, we don't need to wait until the turn of a year to start to sow differently, but it's nice, I think, at the start of the year to just take stock and reflect and say, actually, what do I want to see different in 2020? What do I want to see different this year? So let's choose to be intentional about what we sow and then we'll reap differently. You see, the reality is that God loves to fill and even refill the cups of those who eagerly pursue him and gladly pour of themselves into him and his kingdom. So ask yourself this morning, what, what do you want to see different this year? What is it that you want to see different in your life this year? What improvements and, and goals have you got? You know, maybe you've got 
something that you want to achieve. Maybe you've got something that you've, you've not quite managed to do and you've been putting off for a while, but this year is going to be the year. And, and what can you start to sow now? What can you start to sow now that will, will reap the harvest further down the line? So whilst Paul in 2 Corinthians was relating this principle mainly to financial generosity, that was the, the purpose of his message at that time, he, he adds in that phrase, in every good work, in every good work. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we sow? How are we going to sow with our money, with our, with our time, with our energy, with our attention? You know, how is it that we're going to sow in all of these areas? You have to give something of yourself. You need to put it into action. I don't think that there's anyone who sows sparingly, who sows with very little, who doesn't do it intentionally. It's really easy to just kind of give a little of yourself, but actually you don't do that by accident. You do that whether you recognize it or not. You do it intentionally because what we've done is we've rationalized in our brains that actually the, the benefit isn't worth the cost. We've looked at a situation and a circumstance where we can give of ourselves and we've gone, do you know what? I can give abundantly, but I don't think it's worth it. So we just kind of give the bare minimum. And then actually we, we reap that bare minimum back. That's what the scriptures te teach. You see, I think that, that if we're honest, we kind of do cost-benefit analysis of, of our lives and we look at various situations and we go, okay, so this is what it's going to cost me. And then we try to understand what it is that we could gain from the expenditure. And so we look at life situations and life circumstances and, and the situations where we need to give of our time and finances and energy. And we go, well, this, this is what it will cost me. And this is what I think I will get in, in return for that cost. And then we look at that and go, is it worth it? Is it worth me putting in the time? Is it worth me putting in the effort? Is it worth me stretching myself financially? Is this outcome worth the cost? And I think we do that within our lives. But the reality is that we don't live by the rules of the physical world. So when we're doing this cost-benefit analysis of, of a circumstance and a situation, and we're looking at what it will cost us, and we're looking at what will return from it, actually we're looking at it with our physical, with our worldly mindset. But the reality is that everything that we're going to have to exert in a situation, God's given us anyway. God's given us our energy. God's given us our time. God's given us our finances. So actually, everything that we are giving isn't even from us. It's from God. And then we look at the other side of the things that we're going to benefit from this exertion, and we're calculating things based on our worldly mindset and how we understand things to happen. But God is greater than that, isn't he? God can go far above and beyond anything that we can imagine. So we may think, if I do this, I'll get that. But the reality is that you can do this and you can receive so much more. Because God wants to bless us and he wants to bless us abundantly. So we need to kind of change something within our mindsets. We need to understand that, that God is outside of time and God has 
no limitations, and actually nothing is impossible for God. So when we give, we're going to reap, but we're going to reap more abundantly. So when we're considering giving into the kingdom of God, when we're kind of calculating the risks and we're, we're doing the maths and we're working out what we can afford to give, that's what we sow. Because we've worked it out in our minds and so that's how we choose to act. But that's living restricted to the physical and instead we should be operating in the spiritual. We shouldn't be living in the physical, we should be operating in the spiritual, we should be living a life of bold faith. In everything that we do, we should be stepping out in faith, in boldness, believing that God will give us everything that we need. You know, sometimes you, you can feel a burden to give into a situation financially and, and then you look at your bank balance and go, but I can't physically do that. I know this has happened to us before and we're looking at the figures and they're saying no, but in my heart and my spirit, I'm hearing God saying yes. And so in that moment, you've got a decision. Do I live in the physical or do I live in the spiritual? And the reality is when you step out in faith and you step out in boldness and you give above and beyond what the physical world says, you reap bountifully. That's the key to this principle. That as you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So we need to recognize that as we step out in action, as we, as we put our faith into action, as we sow intentionally. I think sometimes we, we sow just enough. We recognize that we need to sow into a situation. We recognize that we need to give. We recognize that we need to serve. So what we do is we, we do it just enough. We see where the, where the bar has been set. We see where the requirements are. We see what the kind of deadline is or, or whatever it is. And we sow just enough to get us there. We sow just enough to get us there. So if you imagine a glass and, and you're being called to sow into that glass, so you pour into that glass and you pour up to the line that's been drawn or you, you pour right up to the brim of the glass but no more, because I don't want to spill any. I don't want to waste anything. I don't want it to go over and, and make a mess. I'm just going to go right up to the very top of the glass. No more. No less, because I've been told that I need to get to the top. But no more, because, well, I can keep the rest for myself. I think that's how we kind of sometimes live our lives. And, and I remember when I was at school and I'd go to parents' evenings, and the teachers would say to my parents, well, John does just enough. He does just enough to get by. He does the bare minimum. He sees what it is that we're asking and he does enough to, to show that he's doing something, but he's not quite pushing himself. He's not quite giving above and beyond. And actually, they saw in me the potential to do more. They saw in me the potential to go further than I was pushing myself. They saw in me something that said, you can do better. You can try harder. You can go further. But I was happy just doing enough, just scraping by, just, just giving enough to not get in trouble most of the time, but not too much that it was going to cost me 
playtime or whatever it was. So the teacher saw in me that potential, and, and my parents would then say that to me. They recognized that actually, if I were to exert myself, if I was to put in a bit more effort, then I would reap the benefits down the line. And as a child kind of doing studies, you don't really see that, do you? You're like, right now, I just want to have fun. And when I'm at school and when I'm doing homework, that's not fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do just enough so that then I can go off and do what it is that I want to do. But they're seeing this potential. They're seeing the big picture. They're seeing that actually if I put in my effort and I put in the time and the hard work now, that down the line it will pay off. But I didn't see it because I was too short-sighted in that sense. I was too close-minded. But what God is saying to us in this principle of sowing and reaping is that we are called to sow, and not just to sow just enough. Not to sow just enough so we can get by, but actually to sow bountifully, to sow above and beyond what we're called to do, to give more than we're called to do, to push our boundaries, to, to push ourselves, to exert ourselves to actually a point where it costs us. Where a point where it, it costs us, it means that actually... If I'm going to give of myself and, and my time in this situation, I'm going to miss out on this thing. But recognizing that I'm sowing into the kingdom, so the benefit is worth it. I'm going to give more than I can perhaps afford to give this month because I'm going to, I'm going to miss out on this meal that I got planned with my family because I'm called to sow financially into the kingdom. So it's going to cost me. I'm going to miss out on something. But the benefit, the big picture, the kingdom mindset, the thing that often we don't see because of our short-sightedness in that sense, but God sees, is that the benefit down the line is worth the action in the first place. But what I love about God is that he'll never force us into that place. He knows the, the, the benefit, he knows the uh, the potential within us to give of ourselves, but he'll never force us to go beyond what we're comfortable with. He'll never make it mandatory for us to serve that much or for us to give that much. Because the scriptures say, don't they, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. We need to measure up and, and weigh up within our own hearts how much it is that we're going to give of our finances, of our time, of our energy. We need to come to that decision ourselves God won't force it on us because God loves a cheerful giver. So this principle of sowing and reaping, it requires action. It requires intentionality. It requires us to come to a place where we, we recognize within us the potential to go further, to do more, to be better. And secondly, this, this principle requires patience. It requires action, but it also requires patience. You see in Galatians 6, 9 that we already read, it says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I don't know about you, but it's, it's often easy, isn't it, to put in some effort knowing that you're going to receive instant gratification. It's easy to do something if you know that you're instantly going to be, be blessed, or immediately you're going to receive the reward for doing something. You know, we go to work, don't we? And 
and you do your job and you know that you're going to get paid on this date. So it's easy to, to sow into that job knowing that you're going to get paid. And I think that for most of us who, who work, that actually our jobs set a bar of what's expected of us. And so we have a choice, don't we, like we've just talked about, to, to do that and to hit that mark and we'll get paid. Or what we can choose to do is hit that mark and then go even further, knowing that we're still going to get paid the same amount. It's easy for us to, to sow when we know that we're going to reap immediately, when we know that, that the benefit is just around the corner. So, I mean, I, I, like I said, I set this, this annual goal of trying to lose a stone, and, and it, it would be easy for me to go, well, I'm going to eat this salad if I knew that the next day I would be two stone lighter. It would be easy for me to find the, uh, the, the willpower to go to the gym and spend two hours you know, running on the treadmill and lifting weights and all of that if I knew that one week down the line I would see the benefit. But that's not the case, is it? You see, I can eat a salad one day, but the next day it's probably not going to have made much of a difference. I can go to the gym one day, but the reality is that the next week, that's not going to have paid off. So I need to choose to be patient in that, to, to not grow weary, to not grow tired. I need to create a, a habit of choosing the right foods, of doing the right exercise in order to reap the reward. And the reality is that even if I choose that mindset, even if I make those decisions to be intentional about how I'm eating and how I'm exercising. The reality is, I don't know the deadline. I don't know how much that's going to pay off. I don't know how much I'll lose. I don't know when I'll see it coming off. So I just need to not grow weary, Paul says. I need to not grow tired of investing in myself in that way. So the way, of, the way of thinking, I think, in the, in the culture that we live in today is instant gratification, isn't it? Particularly in young people, that, that they believe that they deserve to receive immediately. So I will give what you, what you want of me as long as I'm going to get immediately. I'm not willing to wait, you know, this whole idea of, of credit. I want that, that item of clothing, so I'll buy it on credit because I want the immediate gratification, but I'm not willing to, to give immediately. I'm not willing to kind of put in the effort. We expect immediate gratification, so, so we're only willing to put in the effort when we know that we're going to benefit. And if we don't know or we can't see how the benefit is going to, what the benefit is going to be, we look for other options, or we just don't bother, because we're not willing to exert ourselves. We're not willing to, to give of ourselves. We want to know when and how our efforts are going to be rewarded. That's the culture and the society that, that we live in today. And, and while it's easy for us to recognize that in the culture today, actually I believe that it must have been the culture in which Paul was living in as well. Otherwise he wouldn't have put in that verse, do not grow weary for in due season. Because there must have been an attitude or or some kind of culture going on in that time where people had that mindset. Because he has to encourage them, do not grow weary. In due season, you will reap. In due season. There's no, 
specifics on that, is there? It's just a, at some point you will receive your reward. And it can be hard, can't it, to keep working and working and exerting yourself and investing your time and your finances and your energies, not knowing when you'll see the results. But, but we're called by God to sow. We're called by God, even when it looks like you're not gaining any ground at all. Even when it looks like there's no benefit on the horizon, we're called by God to have that, that faith and that passion and that boldness within us through the power of the Holy Spirit to keep on keeping on, to not grow weary, to keep on sowing. You see, as we said earlier on, God provides everything that we need in order to sow. It's not ours in the first place, so giving it should be easy and we should give it freely. He blesses us. He pours out into us so that we can pour out into his kingdom. And that's what this principle says. And so Paul goes on to say, for in due season, we will reap. For in due season, we will reap. And, and what does that mean? Well, the reality is that in due season, it could be tomorrow. In due season could be in a year's time. It could be in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years time. And in reality, in due season could be the other side of glory. It could be when we get to heaven. We may never see it in this lifetime. And to take this right back to the agricultural metaphor that, that we started with, nothing grows immediately, does it? You sow a seed, you don't expect to see the tree the next day. You know, our boys in the past have come to us, they've, they've chomped their way through an apple, and then they've said, oh look, we've got some apple seeds, can we plant the apple seeds in the garden? I mean, we've planted hundreds of apple seeds in our garden and there's still no apple tree. <laughs> we sow, but we mean, may never see the reward. You see, sowing doesn't mean you reap immediately. There needs to be patience. There needs to be something within us that can give of ourselves without knowing what or when we'll receive. We need to give freely knowing that the promise is there that we will receive, but not having to know what or when, that we're just willing to, to give. And I think that maybe this principle of sowing and reaping, it's, it's maybe a little bit simplified because it's not just you sow and then you reap. There's a journey, there's a, a process that needs to be, be gone through in order to get from one to the other. And, and Paul points this out, doesn't he, in, in one of his earlier letters. He says, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He planted, someone else came along and did the watering that was necessary, but then it was God that gave the growth. So we've already made it clear that God provides us with the seed to sow, but what this is saying is that not only does he, he provide us with the seed to sow, there's then a journey that needs to be gone on. There needs to be some watering. There needs to be some taking care of. There needs to be some management in that sense of, of what's been sown. And that might not be you. It might be that you plant and then someone else waters and, and someone else invests. But then at some point, God's going to get involved because we're not going to see the growth. We're not going to see the benefit. We're not going to see the blessing without God being in it. He gives us the seed to sow, but he also 
makes it so that that journey, that process, sees the just reward. There's a process there. It says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It recognizes that although God lets us play a part in sowing into his kingdom, he allows us the privilege of of giving, of serving, of blessing. He allows us that that little part in, in his big story. But the reality is that it needs God to see the growth. It needs God to see the growth. It recognizes that without him, it wouldn't work. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We will receive our wages. We will receive a bountiful harvest. The promise is there in Scripture that we will receive, but the reality is it's not going to be according to our timescales. We may have an expectation of, I've done this thing. I've, I've started this ministry. I've, I've launched this program. We may have an expectation of when we'll see the salvations, when we'll see the growth, when we'll see people coming in. But the reality is that it's not up to us. It's not on our time frame. It's not in our timescales. It's in God's timescales. Let me read you this story that I came across this, this week. It's about a guy called Arthur Stance. I don't know if any of, any of you have heard of Arthur Stance. It says this. He says, Arthur Stance was an illiterate, homeless alcoholic living on the streets of Sydney, Australia. A veteran of the Great War, he returned home from France, partially blind in one eye and suffering the effects of poison gas. And during the Great Depression, he deteriorated further. On the 6th of August, 1930, he went to St. Barnabas Church, as he had many times before, and he prepared to sit through the obligatory sermon before receiving his free meal. However, on this day, he slipped down to his knees and he prayed for the first time. And then a few months later, he heard a preacher shout, I wish I could shout eternity through the streets of Sydney. In 1956, he told the Sydney Telegraph what happened next. Suddenly, I began crying, he said. And I felt a powerful call from God to write eternity. I had a piece of chalk in my pocket and I bent down and wrote it right there. And I've been writing it at least 50 times a day ever since. And that was over 20 years ago. The funny thing is, before I wrote it, I could hardly even write my own name. I couldn't even spell eternity. But it came out smoothly in a beautifully copperplate script. I couldn't understand it and I still can't. I've tried and tried, but eternity is the only word that I can write in this copperplate script. For 23 years, Arthur Stantz sowed into the kingdom by tagging the streets of Sydney with the word eternity. And then in, in 1967, he passed away. But look what happened 33 years later. We're just going to show a quick video clip. Millennium Night and the word eternity was written on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. 30, well, I can't remember how many years, 33 years after he died. And his legacy was recognized. One of the reporters that was 
that was talking on, on that night said that eternity was written in memory of Arthur Stantz, once an alcoholic who became a born-again Christian. He didn't realize the importance of what he was doing as he wrote eternity on the streets of Sydney. He didn't see the, the reward in his lifetime, but the legacy, the harvest was there, and it was bountiful. It's, I believe that about a million people were lining the streets of Sydney Harbour to watch that display. Over a billion people across the world will have seen that and will have heard that the reason for that was because of one man, Arthur Stance, who felt a call from God to sow, not recognizing or not knowing when he was going to reap his reward. It's so powerful, isn't it? It's so incredible. And I think the reality is that it goes against our worldly plans and an understanding to sow if we don't know when we're going to receive our reward. It's hard for us to give of ourselves if we don't know how or when we're going to be blessed. But actually, I believe there's a greater benefit to, to us. You see, if we don't know how or when we're going to be rewarded for our efforts, if we don't know what's going to come of the the finances or the energy or the time that we give, actually, I believe that it demonstrates what our motivations are. It demonstrates an authentic faith. It demonstrates a, a true grasp of God's love for us because we're giving, not because we're going to get, but we're giving because God's called us to give. You see, this principle of sowing and reaping should not be we give to get. We get, but that's more than we need to. We should just be giving and giving and giving because that's what God calls us to do. So this principle requires action. This principle requires patience. And then the third principle is this, that this principle releases an even greater reward. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here because like I've just said, we shouldn't be sowing because we're going to reap. That shouldn't be our heart. That shouldn't be our motivation. Our motivation should be authentic faith. Our motivation should be an understanding of God's kingdom and his call in our lives to advance the kingdom. That shouldn't be our mindset focused on the rewards, focused on the blessings, but we should be focused on the joy of serving and giving. But I did want to touch on it just a little bit because it's a promise made by God. It's true. It's in the scriptures. It says that as we sow, we will reap. Why do farmers sow? Because they expect to reap. And not just on a scale of one to one. They expect there to be abundant growth. They expect to see more for their money in that sense. In the book of Matthew, Jesus shares the, the parable of the sower and the benefit of the, the word taking root of our, in our lives. And it goes on to say that the seeds sown on good soil will produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So there's, there's greater benefit. It's not just a ratio of one to one. It's not... It comes back to that picture of us doing the, the cost-benefit analysis of our, our efforts. And the reality is that what we think we're going to reap from our, what we sow is so wrong because God wants to bless us abundantly. God, God wants to ble bless us, put my teeth in, God wants to bless us bountifully. That's what the scriptures say. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. When you're stingy, you'll get a stingy reward. But the flip side is whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And that word bountifully in, in the Greek is actually a meaning around giving on the basis of blessing. 
of recognizing that God wants to, to bless us. But I think that beneath that, that bountiful blessing, beneath that, that understanding that we should, we should give bountifully, beneath all of that, you know, that, that verse goes on to say about cheerful giving and how we should have the right heart and the right attitude as we give. We should have the, the right understanding of who God is and the importance of his kingdom and the reality that he is the one who provides. He gives us everything that we need to sow. He does the watering. He does the maintenance. And he will bring the blessing. So I just want to close with this encouragement from Luke chapter 6 because God is a good God. And as we sow, there's a promise that we will reap. As we give into God's kingdom, we will see the benefit in God's kingdom. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't sow sparingly. We should give bountifully because it says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Our God is a good God. Our God is a God who wants to bless us abundantly. More than we could ever ask or imagine. He wants to give it to you. So that's a promise to us. That's the promise that God makes that he wants to bless us. But let's not allow that to become our motivation. Let's recognize that the important thing here is that we invest in the kingdom because that's what we're called to do. We're called to sow. And not just enough, not barely enough, not scraping by, but bountifully, bountifully. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you that you are the great provider, that you give us everything that we need, and we are so grateful for that. And so now we just, as we focused on this principle of, of sowing and reaping, I just pray that you'll, you'll help us to recognize in our lives the the areas where we need to sow more, where we need to invest more, where we need to go above and beyond because it's your work, it's your kingdom, it's for your glory. I pray that we won't be people that are stingy, we won't be people that are, are withholding anything, but that we will just give above and beyond, that we will stretch ourselves, we'll, we'll allow it to cost us something, whether that's our time or our finances or our energy, that it will not let the cost restrict what we give. We'll not let the cost restrict how we serve. So I pray, Father God, that as we sow into your kingdom, as we get to play that little part, as we get to be involved in your big plan for this world to see salvation across mankind, that we will partner with you, that we will walk with you, that we will journey this with you, knowing that we will reap the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.